Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rents, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we are developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So I am an academic, and rocking the academic world is this mm. admissions scandal currently, Operation Varsity Blues. How much money have you accepted in bribes? Oh, man. It just exposes all of the all the fault lines in academia, which any, I mean, I think anyone who has been through any sort of schooling is well aware that academia has many faults. So many <laughs> faults, yeah. and But it's not surprising, and everybody knew it not it's i feel like i i don't know how to say that no like why did why did we need a story to decide to be frustrated about this did we really need a story and like a pretty face to like right put a name to it is that what it was i sort of i sort of suspect yes and it, the the problem part of the problem with this is that it's just the exposing the the rarest of rare cases as opposed to like the insidious all over the place cases oh yeah i mean (laughs) they're making people think that the only people that game the academic system are the people that have half a million dollars to spend on it when like that's not true (laughs) no oh no there's so many and there's so many ways to game the system and uh i mean i guess power to the people that do i don't know (laughs) yeah there's like there's no good conclusion to this story for anyone. I mean, academia, just the whole thing is just like rife with unfairness. Hey, and you're preaching to the choir on that. I'm, I'm all about changing the system. Mike, have you been on any planes lately? I, I actually have not, but I will say that the last plane that I was on was a 737. Not a Max, Was it 8. A Max Eight. No, no, no. Yeah, I've only seen them do, because do they even label that? Uh, you can tell in because the, brochures? the no, no. You can tell because the engines are scalloped at the back. Oh right, right. They do look a little funny. I have been really into this story. There have been a lot of other news stories, um, and this is the one that I've actually been like, okay, I have enough time for one news story right now, <laughs> as we wait for the Mueller report and as we wait for the. NBA to wind down and MLB to wind up. This is the story. This is the story that you've chosen. This is the hill you're dying on in the news. No, no, not the hill that I'm dying on. It's just the one that is, uh, I'm like, okay, I can, I, I've got five minutes. I can look at this article. Don't forget, of course, that probably by the time you're listening to this podcast, there will be MLB games happening and MLB game happening. Ah, uh-huh, true. Very true. The Japan games. So the Japan games, Oakland and Seattle, we're going to get our first hint of what these two teams are going to be about this year. They're two interesting teams to lead off the season. Right, but are we really going to get get any sense of what's going on? I mean, I hope so. And I, I'm kind of like, every time I think like, are these, these are just throwaway games, like, no, you can't really have throwaway games in the MLB. Like, everything ends 
the season ends 162 games and people are still within a game of each other like they can't really afford to throw these games away no they can't throw them away but they're gonna do things like play Ichiro and then do whatever Oakland does the whole AL West is going to be interesting this year. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, there are a lot. There's a lot of intrigue there. This is one of those te- years that's ready for the Rangers to be relevant. <laughs> Maybe you've got the you've got the Angels, you've got the Athletics. Who? <laughs> I mean, isn't it always there's either like one of the Rangers or the Athletics, like who's yeah, actually relevant? I think they're the same team. They're just. <laughs> <laughs> They're the same same club, <laughs> just trading back and forth. Basically. Today on the pod, we will do a final discussion of draft strategy before the season starts. We're going to focus on late round draft strategies. And frankly, I think you could also consider these to be early season strategies. In the second half, we'll talk about a few guys that we specifically have our eyes on. So here we go. I think there are still a lot of leagues that are drafting, so I wanted one more draft-centric pod. Specifically, I wanted one drafting theory pod because I feel like the fantasy analyst community is pushing out a lot of theories, so I wanted to talk through them a little bit before we dived into one example. Have you been feeling like this as well? There are a lot of theories out there in the community. Oh, yeah. I I mean, we are not... We're contributing to this problem, of course, but fantasy baseball yep. is becoming more theoretical. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, you're seeing the divergence of, like, people that have just enough data science to cause some damage, like us, and people that want to just do everything by gut, which is still the dominant mm-hmm. mode that you hear about in um, when you listen to podcasts. Yeah, there's still a lot of go by the gut, go by the eye. Uh, kind of analysis as well as yeah tried and true axioms (laughs) here are three things that i thought would be kind of interesting to talk about kind of theory pieces that i've i've been hearing a lot about um i feel reading a lot about as well draft your guys but don't fall in love with your guys don't fixate on adp and take the highest upside guys my general feeling i mean i i I think you can take tenets from all of these but my general feeling about theories is that they only work if you're all in on them otherwise they're just sort of a otherwise they're i don't i think they're worse if you're only halfway in so like if your theory is well it's very important to take the highest upside guys then you have to do that at every possible turn you know it's sort of like playing the table in blackjack right you look at the table and you're like okay i should follow this like you have to follow this precisely every time and then your odds are x and then you get those doubles the two sevens and the dealer has an eight showing and you're like this time i feel good about this one i'm gonna split this one Uh uh-huh right i think that you're right the the idea is um, to continue blackjack, you sit down at the table and you say to yourself, okay, here are a couple of rules that I'm just going to follow every time. Yeah. Because if I follow them every time, there's enough of a chance that I'm going to win, you know, a handful of these. But if you are vacillating between, um, between 
different uh, rules, then you could lose. You could lose every time. You could win every time, right? But you could also lose every time, right? And so that's sort of my point. I think all of these. I guess I should back up and say I think all of these strategies are valid. I think you can make good. I think you can make a great team following each one of these strategies. But I think you make a bad team if you try and follow all three of these strategies at the same time throughout the draft. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's jump into these. Draft your guys, um, but don't fall in love with your guys. Should we create targets while drafting? Are there drawbacks of picking guys you want? How much do you reach on those target guys? You know, these are all, I think, pieces that uh, you should you should consider. Okay, let me let me answer these in sequence. Should we draft target? Should we create targets while drafting? Yes. Are there drawbacks to picking the guys that you want? No. How much should you reach? I would say I would say I've cooled on this over the years, and I think anything that's within a round is is valid because I don't want to be hamstrung by where I am in the draft order. Like TGFBI was a real challenge this year because I was we were three and then and then uh, twenty eight in the first two rounds, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know you're there's you're, so much space between those picks. Your hands are tied there, but like at the the 28 and then the 33 turn you know like okay well i don't get another pick after 33 till 58 (laughs) like now what do i do and i think i think you can reach in there if there's a guy that you want and a guy that you think is going to be important for your team construction yeah if you go in with a plan into your draft that's player based you can really get messed messed up by other people sniping your guys right before you pick. And and my sure. only concern about being player-centric in your draft preparation is then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to draft a bunch of power in the first five rounds because I know Malik Smith is going to be there at pick 100. And then all of a sudden, because he's, he's your not, guy, yeah, you yeah, yeah. you've decided to fall in love with him, or you're like, oh, D Gordon's gonna fall, so he's he's my other speed backup. And then when those two guys fall, you know, <laughs> ninety eight, ninety nine, and you've got pick one hundred five. I mean, it really, really hurts your your draft. Sure, but I, I think you actually just sort of outlined the what I would argue is a better overarching replacement strategy, which is, and I've sort of we've sort of done this internally, which is cluster drafting, like looking at guys that fulfill fulfill a certain need and are a cluster like you offered basically a, a cluster of of two members with Sweet. Malik Smith and D Gordon but like they're not the only members of that cluster like yeah there's different there's there's a range of values in that in that cluster but but so, so that's but that's part of what I'm trying to go for is yes is I think that you're going there you're saying no but you're kind of agreeing with me is that you really need to widen that up to what is this player type that i really want and who's a group of guys that i can go after and i think that might be um rather than that player centric like here's my guy here's my backup guy if you can be like here's the here's a type of guy that i'm looking for at this point in the draft and here are some great targets that might be a lot more helpful Okay, I think that we've we've been able to give a little bit of insight into both what the what the drafting theory is and a slightly better way to look at it. Because I think one of the hard parts in like reading content or listening is that you hear this like, "Don't do this." <laughs> You're like, 
uh, okay, I'll stop doing that. And then you think about it, you're <laughs> like, well, that's ridiculous. Um, Got to just soften the edges on some of the advice. And that brings me to another piece, ADP. There's a huge backlash on ADP. Why? And then, I guess, how do you think we should be using it? Okay, I will say that I disagree with there being a backlash, but the the case for there being a backlash is that you is basically that you want to zig while other people are zagging. <laughs> the idea that once you get to some level of competitiveness in fantasy baseball, that I guess you're you're better than the average person who's just out there trying to fill up their team with blue chippers from five years ago. Blue chippers from two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So sure. you don't think you haven't seen you haven't seen or heard a lot of the backlash? Oh on ADP? no, I've seen and heard a ton of the backlash. I just I don't agree with it. I don't. Oh, okay. I don't right. think there okay, should be better... backlash. I think that I think that you should use ADP, and I think you should use it um, both as a way to set your your own value, but of course, the way that most people argue that you should use it is to have a sense of when different players are going to go like when you actually need to grab somebody or what when i should say your last chance to grab someone is when's your last chance to grab someone reach on someone where do you think he's gonna go most of the time yeah yeah i agree i mean we've we've taken a look at it because wisdom of the crowd we think it's kind of interesting um jeez i mean in some ways I don't understand the backlash because every ranking system sucks. So why not just trust in, you know, a very like data driven ranking system, ADP. Yeah. I would argue that we we've tried to quantify in the past what the, what the fraction of your, your winning is attributable to the draft versus attributable to in season moves. And I would argue that if you follow ADP, you're not setting yourself back at all coming out of the draft you might not be no, you exactly. might not be benefiting yourself a ton but you're not going to fall behind out of the draft and you can make up plenty of stuff by um by management during the season yeah this goes uh if you're following adp that's you uh, let's get back to the blackjack analogy that's you walking to the blackjack table having read the book <laughs> and and having a very very conservative approach yep. and you're going to stay at the blackjack table all night. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Whether you're going to walk home, you're not going to walk home with like thousands of dollars that you made from the blackjack table, but you will have had a couple of drinks and talked with some some folks, got some cigarette smoke blown at your face. So that brings us to the the follow-up analogy which would be that like I, you know, I double down on every 10 showing <laughs> the the upside guys <laughs> yeah so let's get into this upside conversation that's really what kind of sparked this was we i listened to the tgfbi podcast with eno saris eno presented this uh idea thought that you needed to draft upside guys with your late late round picks and i think we've heard that's a lot of people are saying that and um i don't know i mean it, there's a good there's a there are some really cogent examples of old guy taking old guys with late round picks that end up, you know, really maximizing your returns. 
Nick Marcakis last year, Victor Martinez a couple of years ago. Yeah. You know, there are some guys that that are really low value who can have huge returns. Right. Did I pick I mean, is Nick Marcakis possibly that guy again this year? <laughs> I mean, he's going he's going late. Yeah, no no one believes in him. He's going so late. I'm I'm banking on his on people not believing in him. This was our main topic of conversation, but I I don't I didn't actually pin you down on this. Where do you come down on on late round drafts? Should you always be considering upside? No. Okay. I would argue I don't think you should. I would argue yes. So this is exciting. Let's go. Great. <laughs> For the outtake, here's a quick look behind the curtain. And then I'll probably cut it anyway. So just don't say anything like first, last, yep, next I'll while introducing these segments. <laughs> I'll try not to. Those are my favorite when I'm when I feel when I like hear one of those and I'm like, oh, okay, well I'm hamstrung. That has to be in here now. Yeah. That's your that can be your insurance policy if you ever don't want me to cut something. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> like put a timestamp on it. Yep. Okay. I will <laughs> As we hit the four minute mark. <laughs> Maybe the best way to do this will be to talk through a couple of examples. Let's do that. Let's. So here's what I did, um, and I'm titling this re-ranking upside hitters. So our rankings are unique in that they give you the um, what I my estimates for the error bars, basically a top end and a low end. And so one of the mm-hmm. recommendations actually that came out of this podcast was of uh, the the TGFBI podcast was well maybe what you should do is. Um, is find a ranking system where you can find the 75th percentile. And I thought, oh, I have access to be able to do that right now. So does that sound like a logical way for me to try and quantify this? I think it does. I think age 28, I, we could go back and forth on the age, uh, but I'm fine. You've set it at 28. I think there were a bunch. Age limit of 28, so it's equal to it's, less than or equal it's to. It's just less than 28. It, Less than twenty. Okay. So, so twenty. Um, okay, got it. Right. So, Makes I sort of sense. looked at this, and there were there were a lot of twenty-seven year olds on this list. And I will say, like, yes, twenty-seven, twenty-eight was an arbitrary cutoff. It was just like I was looking at the list and thought, uh, okay, I'm just gonna briefly say that I tried to do this on pitching, and it wasn't really successful. If we have time, we can talk about why that was. But I'm gonna focus on hitting right now. A hundred percent agree, and let's. Yeah, let's talk about hitters. I think this is a hitter. This is a hitter strategy question. So I've got a list of nineteen hitters here under age twenty-seven that were that are going somewhere after you know in the two hundreds, high two hundreds range. Um, is there anyone on this list that you really want to talk about? I have a couple guys that I'm interested in. Hunter Renfro, man, it feels like he's been around for a while and he just hasn't clicked. Um, hasn't clicked. He's. I would argue that he's he's an edge case. If we're if we're trying to figure out like, should you be picking upside guys in late rounds? I I don't know that Hunter Renfro is exactly the maximum upside guy. If I was to pick a prototypical guy off this list, I would argue that one of the guys that I know you have shares of, Jake Bowers, is one of those guys. Jake Bowers, yeah. Jake Bowers. Uh, I think he's projected to hit fifth in the Cleveland lineup. I had mistakenly not logged him as being on your team and wanted to draft him for quite a while. So <laughs> uh, I so he's a great to me, he's a great late round upside pick. 
Yeah. He's cheap. No, he is. Uh, he might be a good one, but he also might return you nothing. Yeah, sure, but... And you might not know that he's going to return you nothing until so late that there have been so many guys, so many of the... Um, uh, I can't even come up with... You know, those early season, where the heck did they come from, guys? Um, come available, and you're just still waiting on... Yeah, no, Jake Bowers is, you know, just give it until June. Yeah, I mean, that that was sort of the other thing that, that, we, that you should mention is that, like, and I've struggled with this over the years, like the ability, the desire to just get rid of somebody if they're not producing <laughs> at the beginning. Like you've you've pioneered this making me think about the quote unquote revolving door strategy. And I would argue that all of the guys on this list are revolving door guys. One of the guys that I really hope is is successful and I think is an upside pick is Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker, yeah. No, he's a fun one that late. Jake Cave, get out of here with Jake Cave. I'm try I'm willing it to happen. You notice that I made the list go until I hit Jake Cave. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. No, and a lot of these guys are guys that I kept on seeing and being like, mm, no. Like Chris Owings, mm, no, thank you. Wilmer Defoe, mm, no thanks. Tony Kemp, a little bit more interested, but so I would argue that you could do this. You could do this yourself from our list as well, from our um, just by looking at the, the error bars on there. So you don't have to take my word for it or our list of players <laughs> necessarily, but you could just look at our rankings, sort by age, and discern for yourself what an upside guy looks like. So you want me to make the case for the old yeah, guys? Absolutely. All right. So I see it. There are two categories. There are the I'm not dead yet, guys. You know, I'm yeah. immortalized by Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Or if I knew then what I know now, guys. Um, so I'll, I actually want to start with these guys. So these are the old guys who put it all together late in their career in a, just like a magical season or two magical seasons. Like Nick Markakis last year. Michael Brantley last year, yep. Daniel Murphy in 2016, Ryan Zimmerman in 2017. These are guys that you're just like, wait, I've known, I've heard this name <laughs> a bunch of times, and it's never really the right time, but somehow all of a sudden they're a top 30, 40 player. Yeah. What the heck? These I find these to be really interesting because both of these categories are basically to me saying rely on analysts because <laughs> mm, these are these are guys that right. analysts are gonna are going to have identified at some point in their career so like you know at some point in their career they had the potential yeah. and then finally they put it together yeah uh -huh. so you know but i would argue that it's true for the i'm not dead yet guys as well where people were are talking where where analysts are still talking about them and guys that are actually you know out there seeing them on the baseball diamond regularly are saying no i think you should actually give david ortiz another shot <laughs> that you should give nelson cruz another well shot. it's sort of i think it's actually sort of the opposite oh really i'm not dead yet guys it's the guys that have always been um that have always been around there and you're just trying to figure out where that shelf is of production like oh okay i'm pretty good i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine because that's what every fantasy analyst is trying to do is figure out where that shelf is and it's the guys who have a mixed you get a mixed bag are the ones that might be in this but for every nelson cruz and edwin encarnacion in 2018 
or Albert Pujols in 2015-16, David Ortiz in the same year, there are a lot of guys that just fall off a cliff all of a sudden that you weren't expecting. Yeah, but I think clubs tend to take away their at-bats pretty quickly. I mean, I'll, I'll be mm-hmm. watching for that. That's wh- But that's why I like them more. Okay. Is because you know, go, like, you might have drafted them, like, saying, okay, well, I'm going to take a flyer on this guy. And if you see, oh, my God, he's down eighth in the lineup and <laughs> he's only playing four days a week, then you're like, okay, time to time to get rid of him. Whereas I feel like the prospects, you're supposed to give a little bit more of a leash, which can be harmful. Yeah. No, okay. I totally agree with that. That's a great point. That said, I'm I'm still gonna I'm still gonna pick upside picks. I'll uh, try and get the old guys off the waiver wire. I picked up Robinson Cano off the waiver wire last year. That worked out well. <sighs> How many games was he suspended for? None for me. For you, I, I picked him up after that. Ah, yeah. No, and I so I I did a little bit of an experiment similar to uh, similar to you just slapping something together. Um, I just wanted to look at, in 2018, who are the guys older than 31, so 32 and older, uh, who are, you know, top 100-ish guys. And there's, hitting-wise, there's a pretty decent number number of guys. You know, some of these, I think of 32 as like the cutoff of that's when fantasy analysts start saying like it's it's time for us to put them out to pasture put them out to stud if you will you are wrong about that age cutoff but that's fine Mm, that's where it starts to happen where people start to be like okay it's and you know some people have uh, some people have a different number but ian desmond last year 32 he was very productive 2020 80 80 guy matt carpenter still out there 32 Shinshu Chu. 35. Way, way to go, but 36? How old is he? 30, he was 35 he last 36. year. He will be 36 oh, this year. Edwin Encarnacion, Yuli Gurliel. <sighs> those are players that were, if, I mean, Edwin Encarnacion cost you a top. Don't. You know, stop. somewhere around yeah. 50 to 70. But Yuli and Chu, those guys were available late in drafts, later in drafts. Well, should we talk about another uh, I'm not dead yet guy? I Yeah, I think that about brings us to the review session. Adam Jones. Adam Jones. You, he is. Do you have his, his stats lined up for me? 33 years old and the uh, the center fielder for the... Is he going to play center field? I don't know. I think that he's uh, he's not even number one in the depth chart. Oh, really? At any outfield position. I think he's going to end up playing right field. Adam Jones, uh, he's played for the Orioles since... Since 2008, he actually did play for the Mariners in 2007-2006. I yeah. vaguely remember that. Okay, so what did what did he do last year? He actually played... I These are numbers that are actually shocking to me. He played 145 games, 613 plate appearances, which is both of which are larger than I thought. He only hit 15 home runs. I know, that was a real eye-opener. 54 runs, 63 RBIs, with an average of 281. And th- that was a big, that's a big fall off from his productivity mm-hmm. in, boy, let's see. Let's look back 2011 to 2017. He was pretty, pretty solid. 80, 80, 20, 
five to thirty home run guy with maybe ten stolen bases. Right. I mean, he's never recapturing. He was he was never going to recapture his peak value in twenty thirteen. I would say was his peak. He because he was hundred a hundred thirty three, played one hundred and sixty games. I mean, that's that's a big deal. What do you think? I watched him and he still looks pretty decent. I wouldn't mind having. I mean, I think what there are. 20 teams in the NLB that would be fine with having him as their center fielder on defense. Oh, yeah. On, on defense. defense. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it was kind of confusing. Hitting, it does look like he's lost a step. I agree with that. It was kind of confusing that he went, that he stayed on the free agent market as long as he did. I guess it's because of the hitting and the losing a step. And I agree. If you want to see it, you know, watch something from that 2013 year and then watch plate appearances from last mm-hmm. year and it's you know oh like, exactly Whoa. and that's what i did oh okay All i right. i actually right. went i looked at 2018 then even just 2018 and 2017 it's stark yeah i agree with that i think i think that wbc he looked so good. it's kind of interesting because if you just watch right wbc he he did look really good if you just watch last year you might be forgiven for thinking like no this guy is a, a totally like, I don't see a reason that he would fall off because if you watch it independently, it doesn't look that bad. But when you see it against his heights, it's a problem. Yeah. You say, why is it, the trend line is definitely that. And then if you go back to 2016, 2015, you're like, wow, this is 2018 is a wake-up call. So the question is, change of scenery, a little less cold weather, you know, is that going to, is that going to rejuvenate him? Uh, is that what he needed? Um I don't know that it is. Good question. I mean, there depends on depends a little bit on what happens with. I mean, whoever knows what's going to happen with the Diamondbacks Park Factors because they keep messing with the balls. Yeah, absolutely. But the thing that I will say is that if you dig a little bit more into the numbers, um, his walk percentage was down a little bit, but his strikeout percentage was also down. So, I I think maybe the the upside case for Adam Jones would be okay, he has to reinvent himself as a control hitter. But if he reinvents himself as a control hitter, that's not good for your fantasy team. <laughs> he's never been that's just not who he is. Uh it, he's been a slap hitter, you know, he's had a high average, but he's had very low on base over his career. Yeah, I agree with that. He didn't so. he didn't set high marks in that last year either. Um man. I don't know. It's it I would say it's hard to make an upside case for him. Um I don't want to make an upside case for him necessarily, but if I was forced to, I would say it's all going to be based on him reinventing himself. So who are we doing this week? I'm pretty sure we haven't done Tommy Pham yet. <laughs> it's bad if we start running out of being aware of who we've done. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, we're still luck to you, buddy. We're still luck to you, too.